Alright, so John chapter 13, and um, yeah, if you got the page in the Pew Bible, you can just yell it out, that's fine. Uh, Eric says page 763. So you should turn there and see if he's telling the truth. <sighs> Guy's a trickster. All right. Um, oh, one thing I wanted to mention is that uh, bonfire uh, on Friday. Topic that we're still cool with that, right? At your place? All right, awesome. It's a little bonfire, fire action, just hanging out, prayer time, fellowship, s'mores. Um, you know, just a good time just to hang out and enjoy um, each other. We'll have a men's paintball coming up at the end of the month. He's got the calendar there. We'll finalize that probably within this week. And we got some flag football going on today after church if you want to come. City Hill Middle School, 2.30. So that should be a good time too. Alright, John 13. And we'll look at the end. And kind of, uh, it's kind of an overlap a little bit from last week. But that's okay. Um, let me give you an idea of where we're headed. We'll pray first and we'll, I'll let you know where we're headed. So, Father, I just thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. And I completely echo what Rick uh, prayed, Lord. That boldness would just overtake us, Lord, for you, for your kingdom, Father. We just ask, Holy Spirit, for just a release on my life and on people's lives, Lord, where they're just afraid to step out, Lord, in ways that you are calling them to step out. Um, whether that's doing something radical, going somewhere. Um, but honestly, a lot of times it's, it's confronting somebody we know we've wronged. Um, it's admitting we're wrong probably in a particular place. Um, it might be having a conversation with a family member that's difficult. Whatever it is, Father, and whatever's on our hearts and you're asking of us, God, I pray, Lord, that we wouldn't think about it for too long, and we would just ask, Lord, when we feel like it's your voice, and we would just ask, even with all the questions that are probably going to be unanswered and remain unanswered, I pray that that wouldn't be enough to stall us. So may we just go after the life in Christ that we now live, because that's the life that we're called to, the life of Christ, what you have done for us, Jesus. And I pray that's where we go, and that's where our focus is. Your life. Not our many mistakes, failures, and inadequacies. But Father, the new life that we now have in Christ, I pray that that would be our focus. And your grace will empower us to get there. So we thank you for it, Father. Speak to our hearts this morning. I thank you that we will, may we be listening. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So, a couple of things about where we're going. So what I did... As I wrote down some things, and if you're reading along with this, you, you know where we're headed. Um, you can uh, surely like read ahead and, and know you know where we're going, going through the book of John, and we're making our way through it. But let me give you an idea of where we're headed this morning. So you see if you can figure out, as I ask some of these questions, if you can kind of figure out what we're going to be talking about this morning. So the thing, I, and I had to write down some notes so I wouldn't forget. So... We're going to talk about an area of sin. So I'm calling it sin from the outset. I know that's not a very popular word and very um, encouraged term this day and age. But a lot of times, God has just calls stuff what God calls stuff. And if it's sin, then it's sin. And listen, we, like, we're sinners struggling with sin. He's paid for our sin. He's redeemed us from our sin. It doesn't count against the Christian any longer. 
But we still live in this flesh, and there's this battle going on. And when that thing is gaining some victories, that's when sin's happening. I think, oh, Lord, like, I don't want that to happen. I've got to put some of that stuff to death. So one area of sin that we're going to talk about this morning, this area can really rob the Christian faith for almost no fruit. So somebody could be a Christian and have, like, an issue in this area, and it will really affect the fruit bearing that should be happening from the Spirit. So that's one thing. Maybe you guessed it already. Maybe you didn't. I don't know. Here's the next thing. This area we're going to talk about this morning, it robs joy, kills enthusiasm, it destroys eagerness, squashes ambition, and almost reduces faith down to nothing. This is a big deal thing. Here's another thing that it does. It creates an alternate perceived reality. Here's another thing it does. It usually paralyzes us, the Christian, from being obedient to God, and it like gets a trap in our mind. We just get stuck thinking in this particular way. It's like a rut. Anybody have a guess at what we're talking about? Alright, we're on our way. Pride, that's a good guess. Definitely a big part of it. So the Bible has addressed this issue time and time again. Repeatedly, from Gen- Genesis all the way to Revelation. It's just like, he hits it, hits it, hits it, hits it, hits it. And then here's the last clue. You might get it after this one. People very often justify this sin. I've done it myself. Very often justify this sin with the term being, I'm very concerned. Very concerned. Here's the deal. The one that I'm talking about all these. So robs the Christian faith, robs joy, enthusiasm, and alternate perceived reality. It paralyzes us from moving forward. The Bible addresses it time and time and time again. And usually we say, well, I'm just really concerned. It's the sin of worrying. Oh, everybody's like, yeah, how did I not get that? That's totally it. Now, let me just also say with that last one, there is a legitimate being concerned. Absolutely wholeheartedly. But there becomes a place and a point in time where that concern becomes obsessive, compulsive, and starts to control our mindset and behaviors. We're talking about that one there. That's when it turns into like a sinful type of worry. So we're going to dig more into that today. Because um, I think just about every, I mean, show of hands, who actually struggles with worrying and anxiety to some form or degree? And yes, my hand is still up. Okay, everybody. Yes, absolutely. And this is a thing we should really have a pretty good grasp on. Because Jesus is pretty adamant about this one we talked about a lot. And like I said, it's mentioned throughout the entire Bible. Do not fear. I will always be with you. Um, I will never forsake you. Uh, Just time and time again, Jesus himself says, don't worry. He just says, don't worry. It almost seems insensitive for him to talk about it like that because it's such a heavy-duty issue. What do you mean just don't worry? It's not that easy, Jesus. You're Jesus. You know, like, don't worry. So it's been my prayer as as I study this and go through it, for myself and for us this week, is like, Lord, I pray that you just open up some victory into my heart and to our hearts this morning. Some victory over worry in our lives. 
is that thing won't have just be eating our lunch and paralyzing us and making things difficult for us in the Christian faith. So I'm praying that God does that this morning. Um, and the other thing I wrote down here is I'm hoping and praying also this morning that we'll be able to not just have to default to one's personality type. Meaning sometimes worry is like, well, that's just kind of who I am. You know, I'm always thinking about blah, blah, blah. It's like, so some people think, a lot of people think because I am uh, kind of appear to be, appear to be, laid back, easygoing, kind of go with it. Oh, Jared's fine. You know, that's not really going to bother him. And that's not really a big deal. Like, I didn't get to be this way because everything went right. Not at all. And I didn't get to be this way because I've had a really super sheltered life. That didn't happen either. Um, And so it's not my personality type to just be like this. And a part of me actually gets kind of offended about that. Not because of of me, but because of what the transforming work that God can do. I'm like, man, God has done an amazing thing here. Don't just say I'm like an easygoing, nice guy. Man, I could be super paranoid about stuff and worry about things and create an alternate reality to the nth degree to just craziness. That's totally normal for me. I function like that. Used to, not so much anymore, but I know, like I, I can, in my past, I know. And it still shows itself time and time again. So this thing is the real deal, and I don't want to reduce down the personality type because it's a lot more than that. So let's read the passage, and we'll take a look at a couple of things. Um, so John 13, here's what we're going to pick up, because I don't really want to pick up mid-story. We'll pick up um, in verse... 33, verse 33. And it seems like a weird place to talk about worry and anxiety, but I'm telling you, it fits. Here we go. It says, my children, I will be, this is Jesus talking. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. So Jesus is like, hey, listen, I'm, I'm taking off. Verse 34, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And that's what we talked about last week, what's so new about that. We we talked about how that aspect of now we love based on how Jesus has loved us. And that hasn't really happened until the New Testament. So we love out of an overflow of being with Jesus. Verse 35, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I'm going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? I tell you the truth, before the rooster crows, you would disown me three times. And then Jesus continues, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. So Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? So Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. 
Philip said, Lord, show us the Father. That, that would be enough for us. So Jesus said, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you for such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least, believe on the evidence of miracles themselves. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask for anything in my name and I will do it. So interesting situation. Um, so where does worry and anxiety fit into all this stuff? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And usually that's what we focus on that verse there. And it's an important one because it's true. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But here's the scene. It's the Last Supper. They're in the room. He's just about to be crucified. So he's there. They're all around the table. What has just happened is he just washed their feet. And he has also just dipped his bread in the cup with Judas, who has just left. So the guys are like sitting around the table. They're hanging out. They're eating. Jesus just washes their feet. And they're like, you know, I'm not getting this. And then there is a traitor who Jesus said was a traitor. Judas then leaves. And then Jesus telling them, hey, listen, I'm leaving now. And where I'm going, like, you can't go. <laughs> Peter's like, what are you talking about? Like, we've been with you for the past few years. What do you mean you're leaving? Um, I- I'll lay down my life for you. And she's like, well, I know that's probably where you think you're at, but you're really not. You'll deny me later. But that's okay. He falls in verse 1 and four, chapter 14. That's okay. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Where I'm going, like, it's going to be all right. I need to leave you. So Thomas speaks up. He's like, what are you talking about? Like, we've been with you. You're leaving. We don't know the way. You're saying we know the way. We don't know the way. He's like, well, you do know the way. I'm the way, the truth. Don't you love how Jesus gives like these like ambiguous answers? Like it's, it never seems to be like super clear cut and just it's like, oh, I'm the way. The, just where are you going, man? Like just tell me. Um, so he says, I'm the way, the truth, and life. Like you know the way. And and then Philip is like, well, then just show us God then. Like and then we'll make it easier to believe what you're saying. And Jesus is like, well, I and the Father are one. Like you've been with me. What do you mean you haven't seen God? So these guys are in, they're in this scene and scenario where, like, you could read this really quick during the week and be like, okay, you know, he's going to go and blah, blah, blah. But these guys have committed three years of their life where they left their businesses, everything that they've known before to be with this man, to walk with this man. And now at this supper, he's saying, hey, listen, now I'm going for good and you can't come follow after me. There's some anxiety there. Like... There can be that thing that goes off in our heads where it's like, what do you mean you're going away? Like, I don't understand. Why would you say that? Now then what's going to happen to us? And then where are we going to go? And then, but you said this is going to happen. Now it's not going to happen. And then, but then if I go back to my friends, what are they going to say? And I don't even know what to do for work anymore. How am I going to make any money? And like, we just go, like, it just goes, goes. You know what I'm talking about. You do it. We're trying to be set free of that. But that mindset can easily come into this situation. Jesus starts off, he goes, don't let your hearts be troubled. It's almost like before he says, don't worry. It's like, oh, it's easy for you to say. What do you mean, don't let it be troubled? You're about to leave going, you're Jesus, where you're going. It's going to be great. But you're leaving us here. 
So there's like some, there's a tension of anxiety being there and, and a kind of hope, but they're not sure what. So you see that tension like happening there. And that's really at the heart of, heart of what's going on here. They're trying to get answers as far as Jesus. What are you doing and where are you going? And he's saying, don't worry about it. You know me. You've been with me. You're good. And he's trying to convince them of that. And the reason how you know that's happening and how that's really the gist of this passage, that's really the main idea here. He mentions the term believe six times in those short amount of verses. Believe, 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 believe. Don't you believe in who I was? Aren't you going to believe in the works? Do you believe in the Father? Believe, believe, believe. That's always the issue it comes down to. We're talking about anxiety and worrying. What do we actually believe and what is actually going on here? And that was the thing that settled on me this week. I was like, yeah, Lord, like I can totally see. If I put myself in their sandals and in their situation, I can absolutely understand some distress, some anxiousness within their heart that their lives are about to change dramatically, not for the first time, but now for the second time. And the second time, they have no idea what's coming next. So you put yourself there, it's like, oh, geez, yeah, what are we going to do? So I tried to come up with a definition for worry this week. And this was kind of the best I could come out with. I wrote down creating and developing scenarios in my head that result in obsessively and compulsively thinking and anticipating the scenario created. So one more time. This is the one I could come up with. Maybe yours would look different. Or maybe kind of similar, we'll see, but... Creating and developing scenarios in my head. All it takes is a little word or some kind of new information that I receive or get from somewhere. I can just create it. I can create a scenario and then I can develop it like a hundred steps down the road. And it usually results in obsessively and compulsively thinking and anticipating the scenario created. Just thinking about it all the time, just going through my mind. If I'm doing something, you know, cleaning or doing whatever, I'm thinking about it. When I'm talking to somebody, I'm thinking about it. Or this is going over here, it's in the back of my mind. It's just compulsively, obsessively thinking about it. And usually, sometimes what I've tried to do, maybe you've tried to do it, is just hide behind, I'm just really concerned. I'm just really concerned. And, and, and I use the term hide because I think that's the accurate word to use. Because it really is a hiding move. And not being honest, like it's really taken over a lot of us right now. It's like taking over my life and my thought process to an unhealthy way right now. Like, this would not be happening in Jesus' mind right now. I know it, but it's happening in my mind. So that's the point where we want to get. Um, this issue of worry is not a new issue. Like I talked about, Matthew 60 talked about it. And in Psalm 94, when I think of worry, here's what I think about. Psalm 94, verse 18. It says, In the multitude of my anxieties within me. It says, In the multitude of my anxieties within me. Later on in the verse it says, but your comforts of being with me help me. But that first part says, in the multitude of my anxieties within me. When you have anxieties and worries, they don't just add up. Like this one, add to that, add to that, like I'm worrying about this and add this. They multiply, like fast, like exponentially. Very quickly. Um, it just happens, really quick. And I remember when, uh, when I was in the hospital, oh, I was at the beginning of this year, when I was in the hospital beginning of this year, and just, you know, not feeling good, not doing well, just down and out. Um, just, what is the deal? It's hurting. So I'm in the emergency room, and then Julie comes in. 
and you know she sees me there, and I'm not looking that pathetic. I mean, you know, I got the thing I had an idea at that point, but you know, I could hold a conversation. I was coherent. You know, it was all good. Um, but she just she had news that Jared was going to the hospital, so it just went, you know, just multiplied all this stuff. So then she walks in the room, and uh, they're talking about you know bone marrow tests and all this other kind of stuff, and you just see her face just drop. And I'm not laughing because it's funny. I'm just, it's just this is the effect that worry has on us, you know, and it's just silly from a kingdom perspective. But her face just drops, and she gets kind of flushed and white. She's like. She already had me in the grave, her as a widow, raising the kids, who's going to marry me, what's going to happen? And literally, like a 30-second thing, as soon as she walked in the door. And, but that's the, like, the way our worries go. Like, it's a multitude. Like, they just multiply. Boom, you know, just happen right away, really fast. Um, I remember when I was younger and uh, battling, you know, like uh, ulcerative colitis. It was just a battle when I was younger. And what would happen is, like, it's, it's like IBS, but then if it graduates, you get more ulcers, it gets more severe, you get, you know, cramping, bloating, and um, you start, like, bleeding out of ends you shouldn't be bleeding out of. It's just not fun. Um, but when, when you're younger, you know, it's like, what is the deal? And so I remember as it was graduating, getting worse, unfortunately, it was just getting worse. What happened is they put you in the hospital. So they put me in the hospital for like a couple weeks. Can't eat anything. Don't touch anything. Basically, don't let any fluid or anything go through there. It kind of heals over. You know, then you get out. Do a bunch of meds. Hope it comes out inflammation. If it doesn't, then you end up back in there again. So it's like getting out of the hospital for like two weeks at a clip for like two, three years. And it was just like, oh, you know. So that was like all junior high hospital time. Yeah. And so... I remember this issue of worry just came up, though, because I so did not like going to the hospital and going through the whole scenario and not eating, you know, and trying to go through the whole thing and hoping it will work out this time. And so I remember when I'd start to get, like, a stomachache or something or, um, you know, you have, like, bleeding coming out of the wrong areas, and it's like, you don't even want to admit that's happening because as as soon as you say that, like, it can... The worry is going to start to just multiply. You know, at 10, 11, 12 years old, just multiplying that. So I remember, though, being in the home and having my parents, you know, just be like, listen, let's not worry about it. You know, don't worry about it. That's not going to help the situation. And I remember, you know, thinking that, man, that's really easy to say, but to actually have to be a reality in my life, that's, that's a whole nother. So those worries, they just multiply, multiply. Multiplied, multiplied. So it was a thing in my life where it was like, it was a super duper battle. And I just remember sitting on the toilet in the bathroom and, the, and Matthew 6, you know, going out, don't worry about today. God will take care of you. Look at the birds of the air, you know, on the grass of the field. And, and I remember just this ver- these verses, just reading them, thinking about them, being in the bathroom and then just crying and being like, Lord, what do you mean? Don't worry. I don't want to go back there. I don't want to do this again. And, um, but that was good. That's, that's like painful. You know, we don't like to be in that place, but it's a good place to be because in that moment, it's showing that we are then engaging. Like it's not cut, tail, run, and then I'm a victim to what might happen next. That helps develop me now 
you know, 25 years later, 20 years later, to where it's like, man, that stuff does not have a pull in my life. And that battle for victory started crying on a bathroom, saying, Lord, what's the deal? What do you mean? Don't worry. It's weird how that battle gets fought, isn't it? It's just a strange thing. So it actually feels like you're really losing more in that moment. Because right in front of you, it's not even changing. It could even actually possibly be getting worse. Um, that's the other thing about worry. A lot of times the stuff never happens. But if they do happen, then it's like permission to lose it. But it's really not. But the battle was just starting to be won in that moment at a young age for me. Which at this point in time, I'm like, whoa. <laughs> what I would tell the Lord is like, Lord, you could have done it some other way. But um, that's the way he chose to do it. And it was good. And I'm so grateful that at least I was in a home or at least they encouraged me with that verse. Maybe they didn't know how to like, you know, communicate the best way they wanted to. They did it the best way that they could. Just what it is. But engaging in that and crying in that moment saying, God, what do you mean don't worry here? I don't want to worry, Lord. You said not to and I want to be obedient. In fact, I'm not being obedient, but things are getting better. So now I just feel bad about everything. Right? You're with me, right? This is the reality of how the Christian life plays out. It's important to talk about these things. You can't just... So they are a multitude. They just come hot and heavy, and they can just, just go out of control. So how does it happen? How does it happen? Well, here's what I put down. The reason why, how does this happen? How does this multitude happen? How can this, like, perpetuate is we start to believe a story that we create over what he has said and done. So we start to believe a story in a situation that probably makes a lot of sense and has a lot of great reasons. It has yet to play out, and it probably won't play out the way we think, but even if it does. We start to just have this story going, and we start to believe that over what God has said. So it's a combination, I put, of two Fs. Fear and faith. Usually, the way the reason why I'd be crying in that bathroom is because I'm afraid about what's to come next. Like, I am just afraid of what might come next down the pipe. Or if I'm worried about whatever it is, I'm afraid of what if they don't like me? Or what if this wasn't good? Or what if it doesn't work out the way it's supposed to? Or what if people see that I just failed? You know, whatever it is. That type, that's not being concerned. That's an issue of being afraid and then carrying out the logical analysis of that fear. That's called the sin of worry. That's where it's coming from. It's just a fear that like somehow it's going to be outside of our control and it's not tangible enough for us to help make it better. And God is calling us to come to that place many times in our lives. Not just occasionally, many times. Because it's in those moments where he can then really show up and show who he really is. But it does require us to just lay it down out there and say, Lord, I'd really like to keep the wheels on this thing. Like, what can we do? And he's saying, man, let the wheels fall off. Let them fall off. Let me drive it. Let me put it back together. It's going to be okay. It is true. A lot easier to say, much more difficult to do. Right? So we got at least talk truth now, but we get the rest of the week, and the week after that, try and live this stuff out, and that would be a part of our life. 
So we want to be so we want to be aware of the combination of the two Fs, that fear and faith, and I say lack thereof of faith. Because when fear and lack of faith come together, we get worried. We get anxiety. So when you get fear and a lack of faith and a lack of believing, Jesus kept saying, believe, believe. Why aren't you believing? How can we not believe in? So when you got fear and a lack of faith, man, we got perfect grounds for uncontrolled worry and anxiety. Now it's just going to start to let loose. So that's kind of how it happens. So the question is, what can we do? What can we do with it? Right? Because that's, that's where we want to live. Like, what can we do in such a way, not so we deal with it, but so we can engage the battle and it won't eat our lunch for the rest of time down the road. Where we can position ourselves to where it has victory in our lives. Because I know everybody in here raised their hand, yes, it's a struggle, it's an issue for me, and we're in anxiety. Just about everybody in here raised their hand. I don't know. I didn't ask the question, but, you know, if I were to ask the question of how many people feel like they have victory over that in their life to where that, it's a struggle at times, but it in no way has the effect it once had. I don't know how many hands would go up in that case. I'm not asking that. But that's where our mind should be. That's what we should be thinking about. Is it eating my lunch? Can I easily get to compulsively thinking about and obsessively thinking about and acting in a situation based on information that I receive? That's what we want to think about. Because in Proverbs it says, as a man thinketh, so he is. So this is really important stuff. Like What happens in our mind and how that plays out is very important. How we think about it. So what can we do? So two practical points, and then we, we finish up with this. And, and this was by no means this morning intended to be a completely comprehensive, totally exhaustible way on how to handle anxiety and worry. It was not, it's not the goal this morning, but the goal is to touch on it and at least talk about some of what the disciples are feeling in that moment. So, two R's. Here's the first R. First R is recognize. Recognize. So if you got a Bible, you can turn to 2 Corinthians 10.5, or if you don't, I can just read it to you. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 10.5. It would help if I turn to the right one. All right, here we go. It says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. What exactly does that mean? Because that's important, and I believe that's part of what recognizing entails. Recognizing entails taking a thought captive. So like a thought comes into our mind, but I want to worry about something... We tend to go a particular direction. We do have some kind of ability to be able to sense and see if there's like some fear attached to that. If there is some fear attached with that in some way, shape, or form, we're called to take that thing captive and say, Lord, I know this is not from you. This is not the mind of Christ that I read about in the Bible. Father, it's there. And I don't want it to be there. And so, 
God, I don't want it to be there. I ask for you to take it. And I'm going to believe that you are good, Lord. And then you fill yourself, we fill ourselves with the promises in his word where he says that he's faithful. But we got to start right away with recognizing and calling it what it is. It's sinful behavior is what it is. Like we still live in this flesh and the spirit is still working out our salvation in our, in our bodies. He's still working it out. And hopefully we're not too prideful to be like, yeah, that's a sin in my life. That's like, God's got to work that thing out. I hope we're not too prideful in that. Because there's lots of sin in our lives that God is working out. So our first thing is to recognize, you know, what it is right there for what it is. God, this is sinful. It's not good. I don't want it there. You don't want it there. Help me to overcome it. So taking it captive. And honestly, there's a tremendous amount of value in verbally doing that out loud. Tremendous amount of value. So you can think it in your head. That's not bad. That's good. It's got to start there. But actually verbally speaking that in prayer. It just changes the dynamic for some reason, shape, or form. It just does. So recognizing it for what it is, and then responding. Responding. And this is Philippians 4. I'll turn there. You can if you'd like. Philippians 4, verse 4. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. <clears throat> Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is there. Look at this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition. With thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And look at this. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That is like an amazing blueprint for how to respond to high anxiety, worry, and stress. Thank you, Lord, for putting that in there and making that one clear. It says, but in everything, sorry, let your gentleness be evident at all. The Lord is there. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So if we can come with prayer and petition, that peace will come and it will also guard us against things that may also come up and happen. Because it's really tough to respond and be a victim to that worry if we're responding in thankfulness for who He is and what He's doing. It's really tough to get lost in worry when that happens. Like next time you really feel a high amount of anxiety, stress, and worry coming on, turn the thankfulness meter like way up. Father, I thank you for who you are, for how faithful you are in my life. I know I can't see this, but God, you've been so faithful in the past. I know that you will now. Thank you for putting these people around my life to encourage me. Man, and you just blast it. It's really difficult to get stuck in that worry and anxiety when we are lost in gratefulness. Really difficult. So we were created for much more to, to be a victim to just worrying about stuff. 
And we'll get all kinds of reports. All kinds of reports. I mean, all it takes is one doctor's report, you know, and be like, eh, your numbers look a little, and then, man, we could just go with it. doesn't have to be like, okay, my numbers aren't. It's an amazing thing that's just said, you know, my numbers aren't whatever. But Lord, I know that you're in control. I pray that you help work out whatever it is. And Lord, you take me wherever you're going to take me. Minister through me to the nurses. Minister to me to the doctor. Have everyone use me in the office while we're waiting. Let's do it. See, there's a whole other side than just the entrapment of the worry and anxiety. And most Christians don't know anything about that other side. Most Christians can only see tunnel vision on the hell that's falling on around them. And man, the gospel is so much greater than that. It's so much greater than that. Amen on that one? Because even if we're not living in it and experiencing it right now, it's ours for the taking. He has equipped us and empowered us through grace to get there. But it will take faith. That was the issue with Jesus with these guys. Would you guys believe, like, I've been with you. We have done some things. Don't worry, like, I am with you. That's why Paul writes, he's like, you know what? Whether I die, I live. It doesn't matter. Whether I die, I'm winning. This is awesome. And if I live, I'm winning. Whatever Jesus Christ wins, he's going to flow through my life. It is ridiculous. How do you stop somebody like that? doesn't matter what's coming their way. So let's stand and we'll close in prayer. We're called for more, guys. We are called for more. And in order for us to impart it to those around us, it's really got to resonate in our own hearts. It's got to start there. Because, like, you know, Christian cliches and, and helpful intentions are good because it shows like that we care about the struggles that people are going through and what's going on around us. But we want to be able to provide more than just helpful intentions. Something that man just breathes life into a situation, creates hope where there was no hope, brings light where there was no light, in ways that are far beyond us. And it just calls us being in a relationship with the Savior so we can build our faith in Him and who He is always comes back to relationship. It always does. How many times did we just say that? You know, it always comes back to that. Always does. And he's so good and so faithful. So Father, I pray, Lord, that you would set some people free, Father, that have been struggling and dealing with this for a long time. That maybe have been dealing with lies of worry and anxiety for a long time, Father. Holy Spirit, we pray that you set them free. And if part of their freedom involves them being humbled to confess to some other people and ask for help, I pray, Father, that they would, man, take that step and do it. It's worth everything to shoot their pride down in that moment. And God, I pray that you would increase my faith levels, Lord, that you increase the faith levels of those of us here. That we would actually believe who you are. That we've walked with you. We know you're the way, the truth, and the life. Man, we know that we know because we are in fellowship with you. We commune with you. 
and it's worth everything to be with you. And Father, I pray that that mindset would just settle in our hearts and in our minds. And may you fill each mind and heart with an ability to be grateful for all the things that you are doing in our hearts and lives. Especially when things are difficult, Lord. May we get lost in thankfulness, Father. May we get lost in thankfulness. We thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for us. I've made a way. And when you ask your Holy Spirit to just empower us and give us the strength that we need, may we just be sources of life to those around us only because we've been with you and we know who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So don't worry this week. Don't worry. Don't worry about it. When you get, t- get stuck, reach out for help.